typical of Victor Von Doom to build a 30-foot statue of himself. Well, it's obviously aimed at first-time visitors to create feelings of smallness, inadequacy. Good thing it ain't working. Reed, what are we doing here? This guy's fast food strip mall science. This wasn't our first stop in case you forgot. Besides, Victor's not that bad. He's just a little larger than life. Research suggests that exposure to a high-energy cosmic storm, born on solar winds, might have triggered the evolution of early planetary life. In six weeks, another cloud with the same elemental profile will pass Earth's orbit. A study conducted in space could fundamentally advance our knowledge about the structure of the human genome, cure countless diseases, extend human life, give kids a chance to live longer, stronger, healthier. Turn Please. I don't think I've explained my proposal fully. No, I think you have. Same old Reed, always stretching, reaching for the stars with the weight of the world on his back. But dreams don't pay the bills, do they? You remember, when we were in school, we talked about working together. Well, that's what I was about to explain. The storm is deadly, but the shields on your station's control room are designed to protect any occupants inside. In the first couple of minutes of this movie, we see uh, the good guy, Reed Richards, the genius, the average, ultimate, hardworking, genius, good guy, has to humble himself and has to go to the devil himself to make a pact with him in order to get what he really wants. What he so desperately wants to do, he can't afford to do, so he thinks the only way to do that, the only way to accomplish his goal, is to make a pact with the bad guy. And that sounds a lot like us, because if you remember all the way back in the Garden of Eden, you remember what happened when there were Adam and Eve? There were only two people on the planet. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Now, there was one tree God said, Can't eat of it. I've provided everything else in the garden, everything you could possibly want, not only to sustain you, but to give you an abundant life. Everything you need and want is right here. There's one tree, one tree that you can't have access to. And, and what did the first humans focus on? That one tree. Sounds like us, doesn't it? Temptations always start in your head before they end up in your bed or whatever your temptation leads you towards. God provided everything they needed and they focused on the one thing they could not have. Sounds a lot like us. Satan has to get your attention before he can influence you to disobey your heavenly father. And see, in every good action movie, there's a bad guy, right? There's a good guy and there's a bad guy. Well, actually, that's kind of imitating life, art imitating life, because there is a bad guy in every one of your lives. And we call him different names. We call him the devil. The devil actually means accuser, because it's this courtroom term where he is the prosecuting attorney, and the devil wants to bring all of your faults before God. He wants to bring all of your faults before other people to try to bring you down and try to destroy you. 
But Jesus Christ is called our advocate. It's also a courtroom term where he is the defense attorney and Jesus fights on our behalf. The, the bad guy also, we call him the adversary because he's the enemy of God. And he's also called a murderer, a liar, a tempter. He is not a good guy and he's not someone with whom you want to do business at all, much less on a regular basis. And until the final confrontation, we are told in the Bible that the bad guy, Satan, the devil, the accuser, has power in this world. And what he so desperately wants to do is he wants to destroy humans because we're created in the image of God who is his enemy. Now, what I want you to realize today is we have an enemy. He is alive and well, and he wants to destroy you. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, look what it says about this enemy. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. What that means is, whoever you're having conflict with right now, they're not even the real enemy. You may think they're the real enemy. You may think you're married to the enemy. You may think that your in-laws are the enemy. But this says that our real enemy is not flesh and blood. A lot of people laughing and elbowing right there. So if it's not flesh and blood enemies, what is it? But against evil rulers and authorities of the what? unseen world see we focus on the physical we focus on the scene there is a whole universe of unseen going on that we do not see that we don't pay attention to that influences what's going on in our lives the unseen world our struggle is against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places we're fighting an enemy that's not human so we don't need human resources for this battle, we needed supernatural help in order to defeat our bad guy, our enemy. Well, Reed makes this pact with the enemy and they go up into space and they're, they're going to study this new force that's going to invade humanity. Watch what happens. ETA until cosmic event, nine hours. If you're good, maybe next time daddy will let you drive. Keep talking and there won't be a next time. Long way from the projection booth at the Hayden Planetarium, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. We can monitor the cloud's approach and observe the test from here. Is it safe? The shields on the station should protect us. Should? What's the matter, Ben? You getting paranoid in your old age? Let's start loading those samples. Get your suit ready, Ben. So I see you're still doing all the heavy lifting. Maybe you should have stayed in the lab. Phil's work never suited you. He does the talking. I do the walking. Got it? So take a walk, Ben. Actually, if you'll all excuse me, I need to borrow Susan for a moment. Sure. Please tell me your guy's not trying to rekindle things with my sister again. Of course not. Strictly business. Yes, well, his eyes say differently, don't they? Hey, two hearts got busted last time. Maybe she's not over it either. Wow, Dr. Phil, that's deep. Let's think about that. You got Victor, more money than God, stud of the year. And you got Reed, world's dumbest smart guy, worth less than a postage stamp. That's a real toss-up. Don't trouble your tiny little mind. Don't wander off now, boy. Securing airlock. 
surprised I agreed to Reed's proposal. I understand the business reasons. Well, when you're looking at your future, it doesn't hurt to find closure about the past. Susan, every man dreams he'll meet a woman he can give the world to. In my case, it's not just a metaphor. Victor is so cocky. He thinks he owns the world and he's offering it to this beautiful woman. And uh, it really reminds me of when Satan offered Jesus the whole world, if he would just bow the knee to him. And, and what Satan was saying was, all you got to do, Jesus, all you have to do, and you can have this whole world. All you got to do is this, this quick little thing and just, just bow to me and we can shortcut, short circuit all of God's plans for your suffering. You can have everything that God's offering you, but you don't have to go through the suffering. And, and if you just look at what Satan was saying from a natural perspective, it makes sense. Everything that Satan wants you to participate in makes sense from a natural perspective. And what I mean by a natural perspective is when you focus only on yourself. When you forget the bigger picture, when you forget other people in your life, and all you want to do is satisfy your needs, then all of Satan's temptations make perfect sense. But Jesus was human and fully supernatural at the same time. And Jesus had a bigger perspective. Because, see, the Bible tells us about a cosmic event. This one's just in Hollywood. This one's just dreamed up with special effects. But there was a cosmic event that happened and actually was determined, decided, before humans were ever on the earth, before there was ever an atmosphere, before there was ever a universe. This cosmic event was already decided. And it's described in Revelation chapter 12. If you have your Bibles or if you got your smartphone, pop that thing out and turn to Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to go through several verses here to to show you this cosmic event, because luckily Jesus had a bigger perspective. Jesus focused on the big picture all the time. And this this will show you why. Revelation chapter 12, verse one. Then I witnessed in heaven an event, a cosmic event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Now, this is Israel. We're talking about the nation of Israel. This is the woman that's here. You gotta remember, this is not Mary, because you're gonna, you may think it's Mary, it's not. This is Israel. She was pregnant and she cried out because of the labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Now, what this cosmic event is that's happening in the heavenlies is that there's going to be a chosen nation, Israel, and that chosen nation is gonna produce the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon. This is Satan. And in a minute, it's going to say very clearly, this is Satan. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head, on his heads. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. That refers to when Satan was cast out of heaven, which you're going to see here again in a minute. And he takes one third of the angels with him. They become cast out of heaven, never to be redeemed again, always to be the enemies of God. Ah, he stood in front of the woman. This is Satan. As she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. 
from the very beginning, before there was all of this stuff that we call earth, Satan knew that God had a plan and Satan was trying to throw a wrench in that plan. So as soon as God created Adam and Eve on the earth, he went and he tried to deceive them and he did. And from the whole Old Testament, you'll see that that Satan was attacking Israel, attacking the people of God. Then you get to the New Testament all the way up to when Jesus was born and Herod was um, afraid of someone called the king of the Jews. So he goes out to Bethlehem and has all the babies murdered, trying to kill Jesus. This is all Satan's plan to try to mess up God's plan. This is the cosmic event that we're talking about. Look what happened. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. Now, in this cosmic event, we don't hear anything about the 33 years of Jesus' life. We're just hearing the whole thing condensed down. The child was born. He's going to be the ruler. He was snatched up into heaven. And where are we? There we go. Now, there was a huge battle in heaven. Satan goes against all of the angels. The angels defeat him. And it says, This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And look what the result was of this cosmic event. And the dragon was ticked off. The dragon was livid. And at whom do you think he directed his anger? At the woman, Israel, and declared war against the rest of her children. Who are her children? All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Now, I don't have time to unpack all of this for you today, but I want you to see that that there is a massive biblical principle here in this cosmic event that impacts your life today, 2011. And here it is on your listening guide. Events on earth are always decided first in heaven. The whole reason I want you to see this passage is there is a cosmic event. It does have the, the potential to change your life, but it's already happened and it's changed millions of lives. It will continue to change lives of everyone who receives this gift from God. And it was already decided long before we ever walked on the planet. See, God doesn't leave anything to chance. You may believe he does. Because we focus on the here and now, we focus on the physical, we focus on the natural. Jesus, God, always focus on the supernatural, the spiritual. And God always has a plan, and the Bible says God's plan always succeeds. What does always mean? What? All the time. He always wins. Well, now the cosmic event is going to happen here in our movie, and we're going to look at some things uh, based on this. Watch this. I have full words. Full of words that can change our lives forever. The cloud is accelerating. We've got minutes until it hits, not hours. Victor, that storm is deadly. We need to abort. Get a grip, Reed. We didn't come all this way to lose our nerve at the first glitch. Just close the shields. Ben is still out there. So reel him in. We came here to do a job. So let's do it. Quickly. Victor! Reed's right. We have less than six minutes. Ben, you need to get inside now. What's going on? I ain't done arranging your flowers yet, Egghead. Ben, turn around. Guys, I'm not going to make it. Ben, you got to jump. It's the only way. You can't just leave them out there. Watch me. 
can't help them any more than I can. I can try. Victor's statement that there are uh, fantastic, there are four words that can change our lives, four little words, four words that can change our lives forever is right on. But I think it's really funny that Reed walks up and says, the cloud is accelerating right then when Von Doom is about to propose, he's going to say, will you marry me? But those are the wrong fantastic four words. I've got a fantastic four for you today that Christ followers have been proclaiming since they become Christ followers, but I'm not sure we fully understand these four words because if we understood these four words, it would change everything about how we live. It would change our marriages. It would change our parenting. It would change the way we do work. It would change the way we do church. It would change the way we live. We do not grip this fantastic four words. You want to know what they are? Okay, you're dismissed. Dude, I'm working. God is with us. Y'all are disappointed, right? No, let me explain. That's the Hebrew, that's the translation of the Hebrew word Emmanuel. God is with us. God has invaded our space. This little baby boy born over 2,000 years ago was God's son. Jesus coming to earth was literally God invading our space. The real cosmic event that has changed the physical and spiritual worlds is that Jesus became flesh. God is with us. And, and <laughs> why would he choose to become uh, human? Because if you read in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, he was equal with God and he gave it all up so that he, he could become human. He, he could become obedient. He could put on flesh and bones and suffer death on the cross. Why would he do that? Well, Max Licato has this book called Cosmic Christmas. It's a great little read. And it's, it's um, his interpretation of what's going on here in Revelation chapter 12. And in there he imagines, Max Licato imagines this encounter between God and the devil when he says this. The two stood facing each other. Now you've got to use your imagination a little bit here. God robed in light, each thread glowing. Satan canopied in evil, the very fabric of his robe seeming to crawl. Satan slowly rises off of his haunches. Like a wary wolf, he walked a wide circle around the desk until he stood before the volume and he read this word. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, he muttered to himself. God with us? The hooded head turned squarely toward the father. No, not even you would do this. 
Not even you would go that far. The plan is bizarre. You know how dark I've made the earth. It's putrid. It's evil. It's it's mine, proclaimed the king. And I will reclaim what is mine. Why, Satan asked, why would you do this? The father's voice was deep and soft. Because I love them. God loved me enough to invade earth. God loved you enough to give up the glories of heaven. Don't even think about the riches of heaven. Think about worship and adulation of all of the heavenly beings. He gave it up, stepped off of his throne, came into a human body, limited himself to a human body came into a dark womb, came out of that womb and became the sinless Savior of the world. That's God is with us. And I don't think we fully understand it. When you become a Christ follower, God deposits His Holy Spirit inside you. He marks you for eternity. Um, I just totally got off the, the page. No, I didn't. God loves you and me enough to invade this place and to change us. But we don't tap into the power. We plug into the temporary. And God says, I've got so much more for you than that. Get your eyes off of that. When I accepted his offer to become his child, then he took up residence inside of me and began to change me from the inside out. He fundamentally changes your nature from an old nature to a new nature. Watch this next clip and see what what their explanation for this new change in their abilities, where this came from. It has to be the cloud. It's fundamentally altered our DNA. Let's not jump to conclusions. We need a massive amount of evidence before making that leap. Whoa, guys, look. Picture that. But everywhere. It was everywhere. What? The cloud has fundamentally altered our DNA. <laughs> cool! And you know what, guys? I think I was flying. We need to find Ben.
That's gross. Ben? Look, 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 look. What is it? What's going on? What happened in here? Victor, are you feeling all right? I'm fine, just a few scrapes, that's all. Ben did this. He's had some kind of reaction to exposure from the cloud. We all have, um, different symptoms. Symptoms? Victor, um, I should have... Just find him. Anybody got any ideas where the big guy's going? He's going home. When they encountered this cloud, it fundamentally changed their DNA. And they got some pretty cool powers, you know. You got the, the stretchy man, you got invisible girl, you got... Uh, inferno dude and then you got the thing well when you become a christ follower god takes up residence inside you and begins to change your dna from the inside out and since god is with us i want to tell you just a few things three things on your listening guide three fundamental changes that god creates inside of you because of an encounter with his holy spirit number one is the temporary houses the eternal your temporary body can house the internal God through the power of the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus was walking in the temple and he was confronted by some Jews who were kind of ticked off about some of the claims that he was making. And so Jesus had claimed all of this stuff. And so they said, well, well, just stop, stop. Tell us clearly, plainly, just if you're the Messiah, tell us. And here's what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Starting in verse 27, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never die. And no one can steal them out of my hand. Now, this death that Jesus was talking about, was he talking about physical death or spiritual death? Spiritual death. So he's saying, if they are my sheep, if they're members of my family, they will never die. They get to live forever. And at the end of the section, Jesus is talking to them and he says, the sheep know my voice. You don't know my voice because you're not my sheep. And then he says, he says, God, the Father, and I are one. Do you think that was a claim to be the Messiah? It was a very definite claim, and the Jews understood it because they picked up big rocks and they were going to stone him to death because he had just pronounced blasphemy in front of them. And Jesus consistently was focusing on the spiritual, not on the physical, but we do the opposite. We say, if, I'm, if my health isn't good, then God must not love me. If my house isn't good enough, God must not love me. If my stuff breaks down, if I don't get enough toys, if I don't go on enough vacations, if this, if this, then God must not love me because my life sucks. Right? God's trying to get your attention to teach you that the spiritual is so much more important than the physical and he loves us so much that he's made it possible for our spirits to live forever. When you become a follower of Christ, God puts this Holy Spirit in you. As you feed the spiritual over the physical, then you gain access to some new power that you never had before. The Bible says we can have the mind of Christ. The reason we don't is because we feed the natural. We feed our own desires and we don't feed the spiritual. You know, if you have two dogs in the room, you got a mean dog and a nice dog, and all you do is feed the mean dog, who's going to win in a fight? The mean dog. 
The reason we're defeated over and over is because we're feeding the natural. We're feeding our own desires and we're not feeding the Holy Spirit. We're not feeding off God's word. We're not worshiping on a regular basis. We're looking at everything with physical eyes. And God says, you got to see with some spiritual eyes. And if you'll tap into that, if you'll begin to feed the spiritual, you get a second benefit of God being with you. And that is that the natural has access to the supernatural. I'm going to tell you something. You have issues. Right? Let me just make sure you understand that. Everybody who has at least one issue in your life, raise your hand. Some of you, I can't do anything for you. Just can't help you. If you don't know you're sick, I can't help you. You need supernatural power to overcome your issues, and you don't have supernatural power apart from God. 2 Corinthians 10, one of my favorite passages I memorized this years ago. It says, we fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places. We destroy people's arguments and every proud thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. We capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. If you go all the way back to what Satan was doing in the Garden of Eden, he was trying to capture Eve and Adam's minds. He's doing the same thing with you today. And so this says we have divine, supernatural power to take our thoughts captive. It's one of the reasons that, that one of the uh, uh, pieces of armor in, in, you know, when we put on the armor of God, one of the pieces of armor is the helmet of salvation to protect your mind. We don't use the helmet. We're like guys that go riding motorcycles with no helmets. Did you hear? No, no lie. There was a guy the other day that was protesting helmet laws. And I don't even remember where this was. He was protesting helmet laws. He fell off the motorcycle, hit his head and died. How smart is that? It's no dumber than us walking daily into a war with no helmet of salvation to protect our minds. It's no wonder we are defeated over and over again because we don't tap into the supernatural. God gives us supernatural power to face anything. But here's the deal. We get ticked off if he doesn't rescue us from every problem. But read the scripture. The scripture says sometimes God takes you through a problem. Jesus Christ was taken out into the wilderness, tempted for 40 days. And it says the spirit led him there. There's two reasons to be in the wilderness. Either you chose to be there because of your sinful choices or the spirit has led you there. If you chose to be there because of sinful choices, the the thing you do to get right with God is you confess that, ask him to forgive you of your sins and you get right with God. But if he has, if the spirit has led you into the wilderness, specifically taking you through some problems, then you need to tap into God's supernatural power to endure that problem. And there's a reason God takes you through those problems. And this next scene has a clue to it. Watch this. Oh, yeah, man. A few days in space. It'll be great. What's the worst that could happen? Hey, little guy. (laughs) You're not afraid of me, are you? Perfect. Thanks. You got problems, you take a good look, pal. How bad could it be, right? 
don't think you Okay, pal. Take it easy. No, no, no. Don't go out there. Okay, what? I said stop. Okay? No, 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 no. Come close. That's right. Come closer. I said stop. No, no, no. If you could choose your superhero power, I think very few of us would choose to be the thing, right? But this scene has, illustrates a biblical principle, and here it is. If God is with you, then your problems can have a purpose. Um, and, and by the way, I had this message planned before I knew any of you had specific problems to this week. So don't think that this is a reaction to some of your problems. No, this isn't. This, is, this came from God long before that. But I want to talk to you about how God is with us in our problems. Because in this situation, the thing is sitting on the bridge. He's moping about his problems. And then he paid attention, kind of, and he sees a guy about to commit suicide. What God wants to do is he wants to take your problems, your pain, and cause an intersection with someone who does not know God or maybe who is wavering on this whole God thing. And if you'll pay attention, God will use your pain to help someone else walk the same path and become a Christ follower or become a more effective Christ follower. The problem is we don't pay attention. We get so focused on ourselves, on the here and now, that we forget that we really have it pretty good compared to the rest of the world. Look how God um, is with us in our problems. 2 Corinthians 1. God is the Father who is full of mercy and all comfort. He comforts us every time we have trouble... So when others have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort God gives us. You see, the, the fact that God is with us changes everything. Everything. So when I'm preaching funerals, and I've pre preached a lot of funerals, and man, I love when someone knows Christ because it makes it so much easier to preach that funeral. I love when the family is depending on Christ because they've got the, the full um, uh, perspective of heaven, the spiritual perspective and not the earthly perspective. It doesn't mean that, that we don't hurt because the Bible even says we hurt, but we don't hurt like those who have no hope. We have hope. And those funerals are, we'll see you later. I absolutely hate the funerals where I know the person is lost and has busted open the gates of hell. I've preached some mean people funerals where nobody had anything good to say about them. And I say, well, this was this guy. He lived from here to here. This is what he did for work. Let me tell you about Jesus. Because there's nothing good to say. There's no legacy that's left behind. But I think that there are a group of people here 
who don't want to die like that. You want to know that your life has purpose. Don't you want to know that your problems have purpose? God can use those. And if God is with me, I'm no longer a temporary being. I have access to supernatural power. And even my problems can have purpose. Tell me any other religion. I double-dog dare you to tell me any other religion that offers those three benefits. You can't do it because there is not one that exists. Christianity is the only one that offers those benefits. And see, Christianity has always been about others. God never blesses you just for you. God always blesses you for someone else. God has rescued you from your worst need. Your biggest need was your sins were going to cause you to go to hell forever and burn in the, the flames of hell. But God sent Jesus to be with us, to rescue us from that. You have to accept His gift. When you do, He adopts you into His family. But He doesn't adopt you into His family just for you. He adopts you into His family and He wants you to spend the rest of your time on this planet telling others that you were rescued from your sins. If, if, you're, if you're an American or if you live in the United States, you are rich compared to 99% of the rest of the world. If, if we could, if I could go to Haiti and offer an exchange program, I guarantee you anybody in Haiti without ever seeing your checkbook, seeing your house, they would swap places with you without even thinking twice because you live in a rich nation. And God blesses you with riches, not just for you. Yes, God gives you uh, a salary so that you can pay for your needs, not your greeds. But God also expects you to give a portion of that to others. God doesn't want us to be dominated by the material. So when I tithe, when I give 10% of my income and we give 10% of our income, I'm telling God, I'm depending on you. I'm going to live on 90. And actually we live on 80 because we're giving almost 20% of our income because we give almost 10% to bagel. Because we believe this matters. And we do it on a regular basis. And that is the first thing that comes out of our checking account every month. Is, is the bagel and, and our tithe. Because we believe this matters more than anything else on the planet. And there's a group of people here that believe that God blesses us so that we can bless others. James talked to us last week about com, uh, compassion. When we were at the Catalyst Conference where compassion, man, they just have all of these things, all of these needs that come in. When we were sitting there, years ago we went to a Catalyst Conference in, in Atlanta. And, and that's when we were doing the Dave Ramsey thing and we were getting out of debt and, and, you know, I, I was presented with the opportunity to adopt a child and I really felt like I was supposed to get out of debt first. Well, Janie and I got out of debt, everything except our house. So we're sitting at Catalyst this year and, and, you know, they do these big presentations. It's just amazing the stuff that, that happens that God does with just 38 bucks a month. And so they were passing these out and they said, here's what we want you to do. At least pray. At least take one and pray. And so in my mind, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, God, I'm not in the same financial situation I was three years ago when we went to Catalyst. I'm in a better place now. Do you want me to sponsor a child? And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to do this or do something else. Well, when they all come out, I get this um, card and I open it up and the little boy's name is Gilbert Okoto. And, uh, and I said, God, I don't know if I'm just supposed to pray because they said, at least pray, then you turn it back in. We'll get somebody else to sponsor. And so I, I looked at it and I was praying. I said, God, should I do this? And then I looked down at the birth date, and the birth date was January 27th. And my son's birthday is January 27th. I said, okay, God, I got it. So we adopted Gilbert that day, um, back in May. And, and we're just going to keep giving to Gilbert. Don't know what God is going to do. Several of you last week said that, that you wanted more information um, about 
Compassion International. Come and talk to James and he'll point you the right direction. Uh, I've got your cards and, and we'll sort through those and we'll make sure you get that information. But if you want information on that, God, God wants you to share. God doesn't give you blessings just for you. And you're the most blessed people financially on the planet. Um, God gives His followers at least one spiritual gift and He expects you to use that gift. The only place we're told to use the, the spiritual gifts that God gives us, every follower has at least one, is in the local church. God expects you to share of that gift in the local church. Because if you don't, you're hurting yourself because you don't develop as God wants you to develop. And then you're hurting the body of Christ. If you're a member here, you have signed a card that says, I believe God's called me here and I believe I'm supposed to participate in this ministry. You are ripping off the body of Christ if you do not serve using your spiritual gift. And here's the thing. If you do not use it, God will raise somebody up. God's plan is not thwarted because you're disobedient. God will raise someone else up who will be obedient and will use that gift to honor Him. God always blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. And you will not fully experience what this means. I think this is why so many Christians live defeated lives. Because they don't experience what it means that God is with us. When, when I'm overwhelmed, I'm, I'm forgetting that God is with us. When I am fully cognizant of the God of the universe lives inside my life and has a purpose for my life, there is nothing the enemy can do to me to discourage me. If you are burned out and defeated, you are involved in something that God never called you to do. Or you're not involved in something that God called you to do. And you will not experience and you will not carry the joy of Christ. And you will not reflect to others what it means that God is with us until you become obedient again. When God sees a person that no matter what happens, they say, God, you're with me. He pours out His blessing on that person because He can trust them. If you're not faithful in little things, God says, you're not going to be faithful with a bunch. We've got a lot of people here today that aren't being faithful with little things. And so you're walking in your power and you're being defeated. And that's not what your Heavenly Father wants for you. Jesus said, I came that they might have life abundantly. If you're not living an abundant life, I'm willing, you're not ta- I'm willing to bet you're not tapped into this. God is with us. You have your registration cards. If you'd fill those out real quickly for me. I ask you to uh, write a couple of things on the back. We always ask you to think about the, the message. And I'm going to actually give you more time to think about this in just a second. But which of these points do you, does God want you to, to latch on today? The temporary, your temporary life houses the eternal, that's number one. The natural has access to the supernatural, that's number two. Or your problems can have a purpose, that's number three. Write one of those numbers on the back. And if you're not sure yet, hang on. Because I'm going to give you some contemplation time here in a second. Um, let me give you just a couple of announcements before we're dismissed. No Celebrate Recovery tonight because small groups are going to Lake Jacksonville. We're heading out uh, as soon as we uh, get finished here. We've got some boats and jet skis. We're going to the park over in uh, Lake Jacksonville. Um, we're going to ask you to park outside the campground area because we can only have three. We've got three screened-in uh, tent uh, uh, cabins, tents, whatever. 
where we can go, but we can only put three cars there. So if, if you're coming, please park in the main parking place. Uh, if you don't know where that is, we'll lead you there. And then the code, there's a gate that you have to get into. That code is 0707. Anybody is welcome to come. If you play on the toys, we've got some jet skis and some boats and stuff like that. We're going to ask you to contribute a little bit of money, five bucks, if you're going to do that, just because the people who have the toys get stuck with filling them back up. So uh, bring, bring food for your family and then a little bit of money for gas. You don't even have to ride this stuff. You can just play on the beach there. We're just going to fellowship together, and we love hanging out together. So that's what we're going to do out there. There is a men's Bible study starting tomorrow night at Jeff Gillis's house at 6.30. Oh, a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow at Jeff Gillis's house is called Armed and Dangerous. It's about spiritual warfare, and all men are invited to that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play... Uh, a kind of a music video. It's really just some background and, and it's the song God with us by mercy me. And it's all about this idea that God is with us. And if you know the song, I want you to be seated, but you can sing along. A lot of, you know, this song, but I want you to think about the implications of how your life would be different. If you lived on a daily basis, as if God were with you. And when this song is, is finished, you're dismissed. We have three baskets at the back. One is the joy basket where we yeah, thank you. Where we give our tithes and our offerings. Two is our registration card basket. That's where if you have prayer concerns, write those on there. We'll pray uh, over you. By the way, we've got some folks in the hospital, so just be praying for them. Uh, and then we have a bagel basket. Building a great life. We're getting out of debt as quickly as possible because we don't believe God wants us in debt. So when this song is over, if you want to stay here, because some of you are going to be profoundly impacted by this idea that God is with us. And, and we're going to play the song again, if anybody's still in here. When you're done, we want to ask you to leave here quietly. It's fine to fellowship out there, but let's not fellowship in here because there's going to be some spiritual warfare going on during this song. And we want people to be able to get in touch with their God and be changed before they leave here. Who are we?